beloved, as we continue worshiping this morning, we invite you to turn in your Bible or Bible apps first to the words of the book of Acts, the second chapter, beginning in the first verse. Let us receive the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages we hear them speaking, about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Receive now the words of the gospel according to John, the 15th chapter, beginning in the 26th verse, the second chapter, beginning in the first verse.
let us receive the word of God. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, come. Descend upon your church once more. Renew us in your love and in your power. And fall afresh on me this moment as I seek to speak a word that might be born upon wings of spirit again and land in hearts and in lives in ways that help us know you more. I pray it in the power of the risen Christ, the name of Jesus. Amen. First, there was the time when spirit moved across the face of the deep at the beginning of all things. Spirit blew as wind, as breath, ruach, and creation came into being. Then there was the way spirit rested upon Moses and then Joshua giving strength and guidance to lead the people from slavery to freedom. And then spirit-filling prophets and speaking to and through prophets down through the ages as they proclaimed and lived and called people back to God's way of love and justice. Ezekiel prophesied spirit breathing new life into dry bones of a broken community. And Joel prophesied of a time after a great suffering, a time of turning, of restoration, a new hope. Joel prophesied a time when spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, women and men, young and old, people of every social status and caste. John the baptizer prophesied that the one who was coming would baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. Spirit descended like a dove at Jesus' baptism and his naming as beloved. That moment when Jesus crossed the threshold into a new life of public witness and ministry filled with the Spirit. And in Jesus' first recorded sermon, he took up the text from Isaiah that read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of God's favor. 
Before Jesus died, he told his disciples that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. The advocate will testify on my behalf. You too will testify. Before Jesus left the earth the second time, the story we heard last week, he told his followers to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise, baptism by the Holy Spirit. And then, and then, the day of Pentecost arrives, a Jewish day, a festival celebrating God's provision in the harvest. And on that same day, we are told the time is full. The heavens can no longer hold the weight of the power that wants to flow forth. And spirit breaks through like a rushing wind and rain, pouring down upon those who had stayed together, waiting and watching and trusting that the promise would come. And Spirit's power flowed, filling every single one, including all, excluding none. Spirit power flowed in all the ways she eternally does, inspiring bold leadership and liberation from injustice and fear and division, giving guidance and prophetic speech to those who feel, even as they're doing it, uncertain and unequipped filling dry bones with life and recreating the body of a broken community. In the wake of this revolution of grace, the people are soaked in a baptism of belovedness on fire with the life and the love they are given and newly anointed for ministry as none other than the body of Christ. This moment is a significant turning point in the story of our God's saving activity in the world. Obviously, the day of Pentecost is not the entry point for Holy Spirit into the story. But in this moment, God is doing a new thing. Spirit is once again inspiring a new creation. What we often call the birth of the church. Recently, I had an email appear in my inbox with the heading, after 2020, every church is a new church. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I am laser focused on what it means for the church to not just celebrate a birthday, but to experience a fresh Pentecost, to be a new church. 
And friends, don't panic. Foundry, as we say, will always be foundry. But let's face it, after 2020, every church is assessing the shape and the mode of congregational life after quarantine. And deeper even than that, it is so clear we need renewal. In the United Methodist Church, God, come and help us. Come to our assistance. In the church universal, so broken and divided. And in our own congregation, we know that there are things that need to be addressed injustice and divisions at all these levels demonization and encrusted systemic racism, misogyny, homophobia, and every other ism that we humans have perfected. And the world is in a crucible moment, a moment of birth pangs. There is a push for newness, for change, for justice, for equity, for peace and friendship and healing and collaboration and common sense, both within and outside the church. And there is, of course, also pushback and backlash to all that is trying to be born. And we need spirit power to give us fresh energy and fresh insight, creative vision, and new courage for such a time as this. As we stand in the midst of the crucible fire and the winds of change on the brink of re-engaging in both familiar and new ways as a congregation, what does it mean for us to experience new life as the church? Over the past years, a common hashtag on social media is hashtag say her name or hashtag say his name. This is a call to remember and to lift the names of persons who have been killed by acts of racist violence. At least that's how I have seen it most often used. It's a rallying cry to not let these lives be forgotten or their deaths be in vain. Saying the names of those who've been killed is a way to rouse energy and stay clear about the work to be done for justice and creation of beloved community. And as I pondered and prepared for this day of Pentecost, in this moment, I hear myself saying, say his name, and the name that I'm talking about is Jesus. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I gave a lecture at Drew Theological School, and another presenter for the lecture series was the Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III, who in his talk brought to my attention the Barna studies, which show broad appreciation 
for Jesus. And I went and I looked up some of those studies and was struck by the ways that it is true, in fact, that a majority of people have positive feelings and thoughts about Jesus. They are drawn to Jesus. They may have issues with the church. They may have the uh, issues with people who talk about Jesus. But about Jesus, most people feel really good. And I found it odd as I pondered this that in so many so-called liberal churches that I have known and been a part of, it often seems that many people don't really want to talk about Jesus. Christ, maybe, but not Jesus. Now for some... I think it's because they associate the name with forms of church that they want nothing to do with. For others, Jesus is too specific. The use of that name might leave some people feeling excluded. And I appreciate that these perspectives may come from, on one hand, a lovely sensitivity to friends of other faiths, And on the other hand, to grow out of centuries of bad Christology. But mercy. (laughs) We throw Jesus out, the one people are drawn to and feel good about. And then we wonder why all our brilliant fancy programs and plans and organizational models may not be bringing the growth and transformation that we thought they might. I mean, we're brilliant, right? We know how to do that stuff. We don't need Jesus. I'm not saying that the name, the word Jesus is a magic word. But the, the scandal of particularity that is Jesus The cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the in a real incarnate bodiness of Jesus, the love of God embodied in Jesus, the justice of Jesus, that gives us our most practical and concrete example of what our lives and our life together can be when we open ourselves to the spirit infusion and are born anew. The name of Jesus is our rallying cry. The life, teachings, death, resurrection are what keep us clear about the work we are called to do and who we are uniquely called to be. We are called and created by the power of spirit to be the body of Christ. Jesus' hands and feet and heart and spirit in the world. We are called by the power of spirit to be the body of Christ, by the grace of God, and in the name and in the way of Jesus, to offer a vision to the world for life and life together that sets people free 
and sets hearts on fire with compassion and courage and a willingness to sacrifice things, to face hard truths and even to suffer for the good of someone else. We are called by the grace of God to break into the chaos of this moment with a grounding word of identity and connection. You are beloved. We are called to break into the chaos of this moment, into the stress and the strain and the striving with a word and a way of peace, peace. Jesus said, peace I leave you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. We are called to remind people that the worst thing they've done is not the last thing. That the worst thing that's happened is not the last thing. We are called to stand up to the dehumanizing isms in ourselves and in others with the truth that will finally set us all free. We are called right into the center of the demonizing fray to proclaim that all human Human life has dignity and sacred worth because all are children of God. I'm not suggesting that the church is the only community called to engage in such a way or that the church has all of this sorted. Lord knows we're often part of the problem agents of empire rather than of spirit-fueled justice and mending. But we as the church have a particular Jesus-shaped call, and it's important, and it's needed, and like the bells that ring out of foundry day in and day out, we are called to proclaim and to live and to share with all around us the story, the promise, and the way. I'm suggesting that to be new, to be a new church, really means to remember what's been our call from the beginning. Hashtag, say his name. Testify to the way of life that we are given in and through Jesus by the power of Holy Spirit. Cultivate a community of faith that's at least trying to be humble and wise and sacrificial and just a community that creates space for persons to become more human and less reptilian, to become more like Jesus. My dear colleague, Melissa Mayer, serves a community in Houston, Texas called Mercy Street. I can't remember if I've shared this with you before. The community is diverse in many ways including a large population of folks in recovery from addictions. And she says, we call ourselves hope dealers, former dope 
dealers, now connecting to the hope supplier. Mercy Street's self-understanding includes things like, we are all works in progress. This is a messy community where we will sometimes disappoint one another. We don't run from community. Instead, we lean in and trust that giving ourselves towards love in Christ Jesus really can make a difference in our lives and relationships. I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to help create a hope dealer church. Some folk may never be part of such a Christian communion, having their own deep and beautiful spiritual paths, or bearing too many scars from experiencing perversions of the Christian story. But even for those who will never actively participate, simply knowing that such communions exist is a powerful witness. It is a testimony that there is a God in the world who still cares and can accomplish miracles after all. Because as I once heard someone say, a miracle isn't when God does what we want. It's when we do what God wants. So, beloved, let this day be a fresh Pentecost for us. Let's claim and gather around the simple gifts of our Jesus-shaped faith and let Spirit infuse us and carry us where she will, into deep prayer, into the streets, into the places of deep hurt and brokenness, into any place that Spirit wants us to go. Let this moment be a new Pentecost for us as Foundry Church, as the people of God, as the beloved clan. Let's claim and gather the simple gifts of our Jesus-shaped faith and by the power of Spirit experience a miracle, even new life. May it be so.